now. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of It Is What It Is podcast. I'm your host, Cody Kelly. Connect with me on IG. You can connect with me on every live platform, YouTube, CVK. I have an amazing, an amazing panel today, an amazing topic. Obviously, I'm a person of faith, despite what Naaman Williams and some others might think. I do believe, and I love the Lord. I might not go to church as much as I should because, you know, it's just difficult to drive 15 minutes sometimes. But Pastor Evans, no, uh, I'm there. I'm on the congregational list. I was there last Sunday. He can attest uh, for my salvation and my uh, spreadsheet in heaven. So I'm excited to cover this. We are covering cancel culture in the church cancel culture is a real thing it's a real thing because some people do need to get canceled however we might have gone too far in some instances when people mess up and writing them off for eternity might not be the way but it is definitely a topic of discussion politically and religiously so i have my guests i will allow them to introduce themselves starting with pastor damon williams and pastor Lonnie davis pastor spencer and then you pastor evans Pastor Naaman Williams, and I'm glad to be here. Right, my name is Pastor Lonnie Davis of the Faith in God Anointed Ministries, and I'm glad to be here. I'm I'm Brother R. Matthew Spencer, <laughs> and I'm just happy to be in the number. <laughs> and I'm Pastor Evans, uh, Freedom Temple Church of God in Christ, and we are excited uh, to be here with you and with all of our brothers. Awesome, awesome. Look, I appreciate you guys. I feel like I have given at least one of you guys an offering, so I appreciate this ahead of time. I feel like I paid for this. Definitely wasn't me. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be there. It definitely, was, it definitely was Pastor Evans because he said I As soon as I get the invite, I will be there. But when, we, when we talk about cancel culture, uh, the church has entered into some interesting times. Uh, right now, Without calling names, we have a few bad actors, right? And I guess we're all, in a sense, capable of being a bad actor. We're all human, right? So I'm not here to shine light on anybody's mishaps. But I believe it is worth talking and discussing. Uh, A, and I'll start with you because he is my pastor, so i got to be a little bit biased because i got to see him on Sunday. Uh, I I will be out of town, so I actually won't see you on Sunday. (laughs) Thanks for the heads up. You're welcome. You're welcome. But I will be there Saturday. So um, can you be canceled in church? Is this this even a possibility or is this just hyperbole? Um, I mean, canceled in church. If we're talking about the larger body of Christ, uh, can you be canceled, excommunicated, I think that you can be uh, put out of one place and go somewhere else. Um, I think that uh, I, when we think about excommunication, it is biblical. Um, and I think that sometimes we don't really uh, understand all of what that means. But I think that uh, we have to be very, very, very careful that that's not the first thing we do. Uh, but it is because uh, I think we ought to come from a place of grace. Uh, and uh, once we have done what the Bible has commissioned us to do, I think it is okay to cancel folks, uh, but send them somewhere else. (laughs) Awesome. Pat Spencer, cancellation. Uh, Where do we start? Uh, Is there a starting point? Is there a stop? Like, are there certain uh, sins or activities? Like, Pat Spencer, if you catch me, 
you know, smoking a J, right? Is that gonna get me canceled, or is it better to is it better to have adultery than smoke? I mean, let me know. Let's start with you. I, I think when 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 we're talking about cancel culture in church, and I, of most of my brothers here, I probably am more of the uh, institutionalist uh, when it comes to to some things go past to me the institution comes before the person the individual um so smoking you smoking the j uh, other than fornication all unrighteousness is sin let's just say that straight um it's all all sin is sin ain't no good sin ain't no big sin ain't no little sin um with that with that particular point piece there that's something we would have to necessarily um talk to you or, or you know you speak to somebody about or you 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 that are strong the bible says you you go to them that are weak and you help restore such a one um when it comes to canceling somebody for those things i think it sometimes things go deeper than what we see on the outside when that cancellation piece comes in um go ahead. no that makes sense that makes sense that makes sense so you would say the institution before the person let me throw this to Bar- uh marcel you just jumped on pastor fears do you believe do you agree with pastor spencer does the institution become or does it take priority over the person can you be canceled i think there are heinous things obviously and then we'll probably get there on that heinous activity but there is a difference i get it there's no big sin little sin but there is legality Right. So can I be canceled? If you just catch me randomly lighting one up, you know what I'm saying? Or is it easier to be canceled over some type of sexual allegation? Let's start with you, Pastor Fears. I think he's experiencing a little technical difficulties. Pastor David, same question. Let me throw that to you while he's getting uh, on his side. Cancel. Do you place do you place the institution before the person? Uh, well, well, to safeguard the institution, yes, you must quarantine the flock of the Lord uh, because a poison to a child would affect the child that's smaller as opposed to Shaquille O'Neal. That poison itself have to maneuver through that body to have a great deal of effect around that large amount of body. However, to answer the question, yeah, is there proper dismissal or should someone be dismissal or cancel? Yes. According to the writings of the Apostle Paul, the Bible says that it was someone that was having an illegal affair with their mother, their stepmother. Mm-hmm. And he, he made it plain that mm-hmm. this shouldn't be. You know, there are certain things for those that have become repeat offenders. Now, repeat offenders are those people that know to do right, know to do better, and they still remain committed to that thing. You have to quarantine the flock of the Lord. The Bible gives us these instructions to rebuke openly so that others might fear. Well, if Pastor Naaman allowed this to go on, the person that's not doing that activity have 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 legit, they have legit reason to say, well, you didn't sit the, the drummer down for getting the choir director pregnant. Cancel. Did you place, you did follow you place what I'm saying? So I would say that you, I'm just, I'm not talking about them. I'm just trying I get to you. I get you. Point. So I yeah, there, there is times, uh, there is times, yes, you must right. uh, exercise authority and uh, allow that fellowship to uh, to come to an end. Awesome, awesome. Pastor Fierce, thank you for getting back on. I'm going to hit you with this one. Uh, Pastor David talked about protecting the flock. To what extent, right? Like I, I, 
I totally agree. It's the, the shepherd's job to protect the flock. But where does that, I mean, like there are levels to that, right? Like I'm a musician. I mean, I'm not a musician, you know, thank God. But, you know, let's say I get, you know, I mean, you know, let's say back in my, my heyday, I got somebody pregnant, right? Um, and I didn't go to Walgreens. Can you cancel me or are you going to give me enough grace to redeem myself? Well, you know what? It's, it's, um, first of all, uh, thank you for having me on and I appreciate all of my brothers that's on tonight. Bless, blessing to you all. I love y'all dearly. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult question all the way around because every scenario is not the same. What is the same is the truth of God's word. And I think as leaders, especially pastors, that we should always err on the side of truth. Uh, the brothers have already kind of said a, a few of the scriptures, but my line side is to err on the side of truth and to make that standard across the board to everybody to be as fair as possible. Um, cancel, that's a really, really strong word for me um, because um, we have to have a fair amount of patience. We have to have, um, we have to consider ourselves, as the scripture says, and, and when we restoring people in a, in a spirit of meekness, but then you also have to make a decision for the whole, not just the part, because some situations will be a cancer to an entire organization and a body if it's not dealt with quickly and cancers spread. So you have to determine whether or not that individual or situation can be developed, corrected and improved or whether or not it's a cancerous part that needs to be amputated. Awesome. Awesome. Naaman, I'm hitting this with you, Pastor Naaman. Hey, so say we're playing ball, right? And you're cheating like you obviously do. And you hit me with an elbow. And I'm like, yo, back to play off. You're going to cancel me for telling you to stay in your place? Or are we going to have enough grace to continue uh, in, in faith? No, first I'm going to hit you back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's get that straight. And then I'm going to call your pastor and tell him I hit you back. <laughs> um, okay, so for me, the word cancel is way too strong. For me. Especially for a ministry like mine. So I would say Every situation is different. And that's what I have learned as a pastor. I got the black book like everybody else. But seriously, every situation is different. Honestly, certain 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 people are repeat offenders. Repeat, repeat offenders. Um, certain people are uh, might have been in a uh, terrible situation and made a terrible decision. So for me, the word cancel, I think it comes with it comes with grace is because if we don't treat situations different, what is the sense of having a pastor? You would just have to go by the black book and just give everybody whatever the punishment is. So for me, the word cancel is a, that's a, that's a strong, that's a strong word for me. Can, awesome. can I say this? Sure. Uh, uh, the, the cancel piece, I think it, it is strong because does cancel mean sit down? For season, does cancel mean we excommunicate you? Does cancel mean that uh, you are dismissed from your duties in the church? Yet we're not sending you out of the church. You just can't do what you. So you know there are a lot of different there are a lot of different scenarios that go along with this. And I think that the brothers have said it correctly that each situation has to be dealt with uh, accordingly. Um, and I think that it has to. Uh, be uh, sprinkled in there uh, 
one of the things that I think that part of the fruits of the spirit that I think sometimes we forget <laughs> is this long suffering. And one of the things that I think that people don't understand Ooh. that pastors, uh, pastors sometimes are long suffering with people where somebody else would get rid of them. The pastor deals with them where somebody else would say, I don't understand that. He need to get rid of them. He need to get it. But that is not the heart of the shepherd. Is that is that is that um, legally um, needed? Let let's let's take it there, and then I want to throw a curveball. I've been meaning to hit, but I'll start with you, Pastor Evans. So obviously, I hit on some lightweight sins, you know, smoking things that to me have no merit. A, I don't even personally. This is my, and this is not uh, the Church of God in Christ. This is Codyism by way of Sharon Kelly. I don't even, I just don't even believe, I don't even believe it's a sin. I think it's bad for your health. Like um, eating Popeye's chicken after every church service. I think it just leads to bad health uh, ramifications. So um, let's talk about things that do have uh, reach, right? Molestation, anything to harm an individual. Like, I don't even think there's grace. I mean, there's grace as far as like, we'll pray, but I, I don't think there's like, you can be a repeat offender. I think that's a one and done situation. Have we allowed or have we created in the past service? I'll start with you, a system that has overlooked one and dones. You mean the larger sins? I mean, yeah. larger legal issues. Legal, legals, right. Um, I, I think that in times past we have, I think that nowadays uh, we have uh, become a little more uh, understanding of the law and understanding the ramifications that go along with allowing somebody of this nature to continue to be in our ranks. Uh, most of us, uh, Kojic, we've had to now go through background checks and we've had to go through these series of uh, all these different tests and all those kind of things. Uh, and so it, it, it allows us, uh, because what happens is the ramifications of molestation the family, we don't report it. The church is now liable. The jurisdiction is now liable. The national church is now liable. So you have all these ramifications with certain sins. You getting a girl pregnant in or outside of the church does not have the same ramifications as somebody who has molested somebody in or outside of the church. That makes sense. Pastor Spencer, I want to throw this one to you. Uh, we talk about that. I want to switch it because... It seems that that decision has to be made from the top down, right? I mean, I'm sure there are uh, church mothers who hold weight in various congregations, uh, but any type of issuing of a verdict is going to start at the executive level, which is the pastor, you know, bishop, right? So let's start there. Pastors, let's start at the pastoral. Uh, we'll go here. This is a two-part question. A, first, or the first question being, is pastoralship a calling or a profession? B, is or does the pulpit have too much power? And I'll start with you, Pastor Fears, Davis, and the name, and I got a special one for you. <laughs> uh, well, it's so much to get into. I, I, I want to jump into some of the other questions. But let me put this on your mind before I go into this part. Um I'm not, I'm not going to say for or against, but I am going to challenge the mode of thinking about what we think is right or wrong when we put things in our body. I'm going to challenge that mode of thinking. Sure. The reason I'm going to challenge that, because everything that God did not say in the Bible does not mean it's not a sin. 
And many times people will use the premise that because it's not in the Bible, that then it means it's not sin. Well, I never read in my Bible that thou shalt not smoke crack. All right. And most of us have a clear understanding in our God conscience that that's wrong. So I would challenge you about what you put in your body as to whether or not it's wrong. I'll leave that there. The question right. that you present to me right now is about is pastoring a calling or a profession. Pastoring is neither. Pastoring is a gift to the body. Um, if you read your scripture, you will find that uh, the Bible says to us that when Christ um, resurrected, that he gave gifts to men. Uh, he gave gifts to us. And um, when I say neither uh, from the standpoint of God's perspective is that he gifted uh, us with pastors. So I believe it's what God has given people. Uh, he gave some uh, to be apostles and some to be prophets and some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers. Secondly, the scripture also teaches us uh, that he said, I will give you pastors uh, from my own heart or according to my own heart, who shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. It clearly tells us this, these are things that God gives. Then the secondary perspective is that it is received by us who hear that from God. Now, at the same time, on the business aspect of it, in terms of a structure in our organization, then there is a profession aspect to it because it is something that we should be studied, we should craft, we should build, and we should grow. But the initial question to me, I believe God really has to give it. It has to be heard by those that hear God when he gives it to them, and then we treat it uh, with the level of excellence that we should. Awesome. Pastor Spencer, look, I'm not uh, in lieu of becoming a pastor. I have no intentions nor desire to ever become one. That's just my personal philosophical truth. Uh, to piggyback off that, do not smoke, uh, FYI, but I still hold it same. I still hold the same value that I just, I just don't know. I just, I just don't see God personally throwing you away for nicotine. This is my, this is my personal thing. I think it's bad. I think church dinners are bad too. Hence why I went vegan and now have the body I have. So Pastor Spencer, <laughs> I'm starting with you. Hey, um, pastorship. I do believe as Pastor Spencer said, it is a God given gift. It is a God given calling, right? To say that it does not have professional insight or there there is not a desire to develop one's gifts within one's calling you know i think that's fair and that's accurate totally agree so for you pastor spencer is it is there a balance or how do you go about balancing it and then your second part which i also want to hear from you pastor davis um does the pulpit have too much power and we'll start there uh i totally agree with my brother uh, Pastor Fear said, it is definitely a calling and it's a gift to the body. Um, I would say there is a balance between the call and the professionalism because with it, we have to be professional. There's a certain level of professionalism that goes with being the preacher or the pastor. When I was coming up, um, my late pastor and the fathers around us, they told you, you dress like a preacher. A preacher had a uniform. We had, it was a shirt, a tie, uh, some slacks, and some sh and shoes. Matter of fact, you washed your car in your uniform. <laughs> um, but it, it, it's a certain level of professionalism that goes with it. 
that at that that then is the professional the professional piece of pastoring. I think we become we try to make it so spiritual that we forget the 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 professional side of it. Oh, you're the man of God. You you hear from God. But the Bible also says that him that has rendered unto you spiritual things, you render unto him your carnal things. Um, so it, it, it's a balance there that we that that has to really work out, and and you have to go go line in line with. Uh, that's why you. That's why it is so very necessary that if, if you come into the into the into the pastoral line of uh, uh, the pastoral ministry. Let me say it like that. Sure. If you come into the pastoral ministry, that you that it's very that you take some ed- some ministerial etiquette classes. That you that you learn some pieces there, um, because every situation, just like every sin is different, every situation we encounter is uniquely different. It may sound the same, but it's uniquely different, and you have to handle it uniquely to that situation and then move on. Um, does the pulpit have too much power? I'll answer that, that question simply. No. It doesn't Pastor have Dave, enough power. doesn't have enough power. That's okay, demonstrative. Pastor Dave, <laughs> I'm going to go back to you. Does the pulpit have too much power? Let me explain the backdrop to you. So when we examine the church, and specifically the black church, the pastor was the selected Negro, basically, that was the smartest, was the brightest, had the most influence and could influence his congregation, his or her, traditionally his though, right? Now, fast forward in 2020, 2021, really, I feel like the job of the pastor is more of the priest instead of like, he has to be my, you know, mortgage loan lender, doctor, I have to get my medical advice. You know what I'm saying? I think the hats have changed because there's no need. Most of us are educated enough or know somebody that we can go to a subject matter professional without having to go to the altar. Does, with that being said, does the pulpit have too much power? Man, you know, that's a loaded question. (laughs) You know, uh, in short, no. Long term, for a longer answer, there's a certain culture and another reformation where the people are empowered to put in office as the pastor, they can elect him or her in. And that pastor is, you know, my personal opinion, no, no shade. Okay, please don't, don't think I'm trying to be critical, but when you allow the people to elect a person in there that robs that, that robs God ability to really say, is this a hireling or is this God set man for this particular house? Every pastor that is a gift, it is a gift. He he may not be grace to pastor another flock. That may be his grace to flock right there. So in saying that, you'll find yourself that pastor grievously in that position, contending with everything. So uh, in long term, yes, it is. You know, I would rather uh, not revisit that again because I was in a position where I was really preaching but i wasn't pastoring they unanimously they just they all voted me in the entire body and voted me in to to lead the flock of the lord and uh when i started using their black book 
to educate myself, my craft, my profession, to equip the body so that we can have your harmony, then that's when I started seeing that I really wasn't pastoring. I just was preaching. And I went to the said person and I asked him, I said, well, why is it that uh, you all voted me in, but when I say come, y'all don't come. When I say go, y'all don't go. But when you say it, then they respond. And we're we not, not talking about nobody culture, but y'all pretty much know Church God and Christ boys, well, what Reformation I'm talking about. You, you do as you're told. And if you don't, you will be easily removed because the same people that put you in there will be the same people that will vote you out of there. Awesome. Pastor Naven, you shared a story with me about when the lot of uh, Bread of Life uh, fell to you and how you rejected it, how my grandfather wanted to place you in a certain position and you rejected it, which I have never heard any preacher reject a position. So why? How do you get to this point? Um, what what bothers you or what drives you to this awakening that if I don't do this, I will have some eternal fate that is not favorable uh, to me? Oh, wow. Great question. Um, for me, number, number one, your your grandfather's the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. He's, he's just amazing. So when he asked me to do what he wanted me to do, I knew what type of ministry I, ha I have to this day. And I, and I know it can work for a local part, but I didn't know if it could necessarily work for a district part. So like for me, the you know the pulpit and the because when you ask a question about the pulpit were you just specifically talking about the pastor or you're talking for me i really don't make a lot of decisions without counsel from my church so like like because they the ones who have to be with me but for for me and pastor evans when you take over for people I think it's different than someone starting on their own like Pastor Marcel is because you you go through a time of establishing yourself. So there's a certain authority that you're walking in because you have to walk with that authority because it's a voice change. So mm -hmm. many times when we say the pulpit may have doesn't have too much power, I'm sure Pastor Evans will tell you there are things that we had to do so we can say, Things are different. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. Pastor Evans, since he mentioned you, I want to start with you. I want to take it up a notch. Uh, social justice, right? We just, uh, um, over the weekend, or really last week, really wasn't over the weekend, we witnessed another shooting, shooting of Jacob Blake, uh, right? And it seems like Wisconsin, which is only an hour and a half from here, Kenosha, is on fire. Then we went witnessed a lone gunman who decided to shoot two activists and one was actually killed does the christian church have a role in social justice because you will have the far right who believes that this is a matter of the heart and it is god's power to change the human being from the inside and therefore protesting legislation or anything that will prevent us from becoming slaves again is inadequate. Does the church have a role in social justice? And if so, two-part question, have we done enough on that issue? Uh, so, yes, uh, we do have a role in social justice, but I, I, I caution us 
uh, with this, that the church must still be the church. What does that mean? That's what I'm going to explain. So we, we cannot look like a political arm of any uh, political uh, movement. Uh, we must still be the church that understands and is foremost about souls and people giving their lives to Jesus Christ. With that being said, uh, we also must preach and, and, and you talk about the Old Testament, uh, the prophets of old, Amos and those guys, they, they dealt with this social justice when they were dealing with the unjust weight that were happening uh, in the in the Old Testament. They were they were treating folks, you know, uh, in all kinds of ways. And so we as the church have to speak truth to power. We have to stand up. We have to speak truth. We have to speak what is happening. And I think the black church um, is, is in a very precarious situation. I think we've always been there, which is not we hear things from our pulpit in the black church that our white counterparts will never and have never heard from the pulpit. And so because we it, it affects our lives outside of the church. And so because it affects us outside of the church, our pastors, our men of God, our women of God who stood up behind the pulpit have had to speak to racism. They've had to speak to these social ills that are outside of the church's walls. So yes, the church must speak truth to power. We must be on the fr- I, we must be on the line. I'm not going to say we need to be on the front line, but we need to be on the line uh, uh, for social justice. But we also must be the church that understands that we must uh, be about souls. We believe in the healing power of Jesus Christ. We must preach the love and the and, and the grace of God, all of that. Because one of the things that I'm afraid of, and I'll finish with this, I'm afraid that the pendulum, for, and the church has to be very careful, that we not swing all the way to the point where we are preaching hate and we are preaching uh, uh, bigotry, that we are preaching you know, that, that the white man is not the devil. Like we, we, we cannot preach that. That is not biblical truth. And so we must be able to stand in truth. And the reason why we have to do that, because if we don't, we will lose our, we will lose our credence and our authority as the body of Christ. That's good. I don't, I don't think like when I hear that, I don't think that that faction, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. There are some, you have some woke taps, you have some uh, extreme versions of black militancy that is far out there. That is like one to 5%, right? So for the bulk that do believe in social consciousness, I wouldn't even see that. I don't, I don't see that as an issue. Master Spencer, you're a millennial, right? Millennials struggle with the church. Candid moment is the lack of action. I believe that the church has to be the church. I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to them that believe, right? To the Jew first and also to the Greek. I totally believe. I can write a thesis on it. But when I sit there and I look and I see people who look like me still disenfranchised, still have economic disparities that are not closing, our targets every single day and the words of dl hughley being black on a good day is an inconvenience when or what voice is there what what will the church do to address this this 
basically a systemic issue. And I'll, and I'll begin with you, Pastor Spencer. I, I think that the, the unsettling thing um, for the for for millennials or just for black people in general um, is that it has. Uh-oh. I think he's loading. While it's getting that pacifiers tackle that while we wait for uh, Matt to get back on. Yeah, as my brother's coming on, first of all, I want to say Pastor Evans, very well said. Um, just very well said. If I agree with all that you shared. Let, just let me say this. Um, with all of the unrest and the civil unrest that's going on and the uh, racial inequality, as a African-American man yes, in sir. America, I'm outraged. Yes, yep. So let's just put that out yep. there. Uh, and I know all my brothers can agree with that. Uh, the humanity of us is outraged. And then I'm raising two sons. Um, I've been pulled over driving while black. Um, I've been, um, I've had a gun pulled on me by police because they just thought I fit the description and later let me go. I've been put in handcuffs in the back of a squad of car um, that, and I shouldn't have been and taken to the station. So I understand it not by hearsay, but by personal experience. But I think Pastor Evans is absolutely correct that we must attack the spiritual parts of it. I think one of the mistakes people make is making all churches alike. The body of Christ is one, but all churches are not alike. There are things that Pastor Naaman does and Pastor Evans Mm -hmm. does that I should be pulling them in for the growth of the kingdom and Prophet Davis and Pastor Spencer because they may do different things well. And And if protesting on the street is not what I excel at, they may be sowing into the one that's protesting on the street is the thing that we excel at. So when, when we make generalizations about what we do, we have to look at it through the scope of we all do different things well. And as the body, we got to advance each other by knowing what we do well. And I also, I also just want to say, uh, in addition to that, we, we have to focus on at the same time, the church can never lose the reason why we exist. Uh, And again, we are in the business of souls. Everything else is a extension of the core because I'm going to tell you this fact. Just think about this. This is simple math. Y'all are all great numbers people, but this is simple math. If you have two people who are bona fide racist in your church, right? They're bona fide racist. And you preach a powerful gospel that we believe in. And one of those persons gets saved according to the way we know what it means to be filled with the spirit of God and turn to Christ. Then how many races do you have left? One. Because the only real way to make change is to get people saved for real. The more people get saved, the less people doing the stuff that only people that are outside of the body of Christ practice continually so if we keep winning souls the numbers of the things that are negative will decrease it's a law of supply and demand it's just that simple it's the economics of the gospel that if i have 10 gangsters on my block and i minister to five of them and they get saved and join my church i don't have 10 gangsters on my block anymore i only have five and we need to look at the economics of the gospel from the standpoint of the soul business. This is why we mm-hmm. should be fishers of men. Mm-hmm. 
Awesome. Pastor Spencer, uh, good to have you back. Souls, the soul business. Fine. Totally agree. I do believe that he died for us. Totally believe in the necessity of the soul business. But to be a little uh, efficacious on it, to play devil's advocate, some might say that salvation isn't working. Your Billy Graham followers, your Franklin Graham type evangelicals, uh, the uh, uh, what's their name out of Florida? Um, Paula White. Paula White, right. The spiritual advisor to who we're about to go into the next question. I got two more questions for you guys who have no stance. And in the words of Nikki Haley, America is not a racist country. With that being said, with that being said, is and obviously the soul is vital, but is it so vital that we're willing to turn a back on just the basic truth of who we are? And I'll begin with you, Pastor Spencer. I, I don't. The the soul is very vital. Um, it is, as Pastor Fears and Pastor Evans so eloquently put it, it is the business that we're in. We we are in the business of saving souls. However. And and being in the business of saving souls, I am yet saving souls or going about my father's business as a black man, raising a black son and a black daughter. So we have to find a good mix where we don't lose being the church and, 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 and dive in there and, and push for change and lobby for change. Um, Your grandfather, one of the greatest men I ever met, Bishop Cody Vernon Marshall, he said this one day, uh, we were sitting in Freedom Temple, he said, they went marching. Me and Bishop Ford went and sat in the office and talked to them. (laughs) Uh, And that is something that I think we missed down the line. We get out and get so in point and into the moment of demonstration. We get into the moment of marching, but we need the individuals. And that's where I feel sometimes the pulpit comes in and needs that power. That we can come and sit down at, 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 at Mayor Lightfoot's office. You can come and sit down uh, uh, like Dr. King in the Oval Office and have the tough conversation about what it, it what really is going on that does not change my spiritual my spirituality it does not change the business of what i'm in it's it's going into the moment of enhancing the business that i'm about souls and as i get them saved i want them to live a better life not waiting for the hereafter, not waiting to get to, not, not for that bright side on the other side of the Jordan, but I want them to get to the, on the other side of the red line that you have drawn down in Bronzeville. Right. I want you, I want you to get to the other side of the red line that you're trying to create as you move, as you move the, 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 the transportation system back and you push the, and you push people back into into the into the south suburbs of of Chicago, so they cannot get back into the city. 
I want my people as I get them saved. I want people as they are being, as they're being delivered and coming to the full knowledge of Jesus Christ to have me, to have us as leaders, as pastors to go. I don't need to be. And this is my personal belief. I, I know somebody won't agree with me. I, I necessarily don't need to be on the front line walking and marching because I'm be out of breath. <laughs> However, <laughs> I need to, I, but I, but somebody needs to be there sitting down at the table talking, rationalizing, being the voice of the people because we can march all day. They'll let us march all day. But no change will happen until we sit at the table and we and we talk and we use the power of the pen and the power of our collectiveness as a people to push the agenda of what we want for what we want for our people who attend our church and our people who, who are part of us, of the body, to go forward. I agree again with Pastor Marcel. You know, if if, if I, there's certain things, I, I stand in awe of all these brothers. Um, but they're, they're all good at something. If we all come together and do what we're good at, there's no competition that's needed. That makes sense. That makes sense. Pastor Davis, I want to throw this to you. Mm-hmm. You have uh, a daughter, don't you? I, yeah, four yeah, I keep, yeah, I keep yeah, seeing three, in the comments. Three, it's, it's, it yeah. keeps speaking, Dad. I see it always in the comments. Um, mm-hmm. Let's make it personal. Yes. Something happens. You get a call. Your daughter has been pulled over mm-hmm. and it didn't end well. Mm-hmm. Is it prayer that you resort to? I'm not I'm not doubting. Right. I'm just I just want to know because sometimes as black men and especially as millennials who let me be careful I say this, especially as millennials who um spend probably more time dealing with secularism as far as corporate America, as far as whatever, and would love to spend all the time in church, but the problem is you know, I got a, I got a wife and got a bills to pay. So, you know, what is your reaction? What, what is that human point? I think the, the, the disconnect is sometimes we want to see our leaders be human. Can you be black and pastor a church? Well, to answer your question, the first part, uh, about my daughter, uh, Oh, I believe that prayer without action is just unreasonable. If you're going to pray, you're going to have to put some some action into your prayer. I'm going to be human. God made us three ways. We're not going to ignore the other ways, our soul, our spirit, and our flesh. And there's times when your humanity will try to prevail over your spirit. And then there's also times when your humanity will give you insight to how to handle something, even spiritually as well as naturally. The Bible said, for the children of darkness shall be wiser than the children of light. So, uh, yes, I'll be upset. I will pray. Um, I would ask God, Pastor Evans, to help me to function with the fruit of the spirit, long suffering and being meek and gentleness for those that don't have the daughters and don't have sons. And they have experienced the injustice that you yourself can do that times you want to go lay hands. And I'm not talking about like this. I'm talking about like this. Doesn't mean that I'm less saved and less holy than we allow God to be my judge when it comes down to that, because my peers don't have my final resting place. Um, 
I believe this to be true, uh, to go back to, not to go back and stay long, but I'm gonna make it quick. Well, where's the best place where you can catch fish at y'all? In the water. So while you're on the line, if you happen to get on the line, you can be having an opportunity to minister to the unconverted soul. Say, hey, listen, man, put that gun down. Let's have dialogue. The best place to catch fish is in water. And yes, we want to continue to church the church. I don't want Spencer members. I don't want Naaman's members. I don't want no, no, no. I don't want nobody. I want to go get the ones that's assigned to me by God. And sometimes you have to leave the multitude, the 99, and go to the one. And it may be an inconvenient place. I want to win the hearts and minds. I want to have the same testimony that Apostle Paul had. He said, for I was almost persuaded by listening to the conversation. He said, I almost almost was made a Christian in a political uh, setting. Am I right about it, gentlemen? When when he was facing uh, persecution, his, his the grace that came upon him gave him an opportunity to win the unconverted. And he said, I almost, and it was because the pressure of the people that he was not converted. So the best place to catch some fish is in some water. Sometimes you have to go. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Last question before I give you guys sign off. And this, I think, is uh, hitting on that political part. I asked this question to a former panel. Um, I think is going to create some type of intriguing conversation. Pastor Naaman, I'm starting with you, my man. Number 45, Donald J. Jerry Falwell. Is that his middle name? Donald J. <laughs> Trump calls you. I like this. It <laughs> says... Pastor Naaman, I don't even know how to imitate him. Uh, Pastor Naaman, I want you to come down to Pennsylvania Avenue. I want to put together a black church coalition like he did very similar in the first term. Are you showing up? Is this having a seat at the table or do you think you'll just be a prop? I'll go. Because my personality, I mean... If anybody, most of these guys know me, my personality is always to go against the grain anyway. That's just how I am. How can I tell him how I feel if I never get to him? So for me, I will go tell him how I personally feel. Um, If you allow me to piggyback for a minute, Pastor Davis is my blood cousin. And if someone was messing with his daughter, the first thing he would do would call me. That's what he would do. He don't want to tell y'all that. okay? but that's what he would have did. All right. And we're going. okay? Um, I, 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 I would go I would go under the premise I'm getting as much information as I as I can. The other question that you asked, um, Cody, and I wanted to I, I have to I have to respond to this. I have no problem with marching. I have no problem with nobody staying at home. My problem is strategy. We're marching with no strategy. Marching in the daytime and looting at night. We're marching with no strategy. Mm-hmm. I, for me, marching with no strategy is 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 is, is going in circles for forty years with the promised land being twelve blocks away. We have to be careful of every movement that we're following, and we're looking at what are we doing with it. For me. I don't know another neighborhood. These pastors, I, I pretty much know their churches. 
I don't know if it's another neighborhood is worse than the one my church is in. So, so social justice is a lifestyle for me. It's because when I pull up to my church, I'm not only worrying about the white man, but I'm also worrying about my brother. So in that, when we talk about social justice, I have to be able to talk to my brother and get a chance to feel where's the anger coming from. We are marching with people who don't really, we angry about what has taken place as far as the police is concerned. But social justice is what's going on in our hood needs to stop. There's a lack of resources in our hood. What are we doing for us that as far as social justice? Because for me, we're, the strategy of what we're doing, we're, we're, we're missing it. We need to come to the table first, us, we as brothers, come together with a strategy before we march. So at the end of the march, we got something to say that's tangible. Not that we, we drew 10,000, 20,000 people, fine, that's good. But at the end of the march, y'all, what are we saying? Who are we pulling together? And why the, why the second march ain't bigger than the first one? So social justice is a lifestyle, y'all. It just ain't picking up, a, picking up your poster. Social justice, you wear social justice with your skin color. That's true. So if you get up in the morning, and my cousin Lonnie know a lot about me, so he knows what I've dealt with with the law. Okay? So with that, I have experienced a whole bunch as far as racism is concerned. Cody, but watch this, and I want you to remember this. It's hard to be a racist by yourself. Hmm. It's hard to be a racist by yourself. So many, anytime I meet a racist, I always try to check out where his environment comes from or her environment comes from. It's because it was a, it's a taught and it's a learned behavior. So what I want to do as a preacher, I don't want a racist to make me racist. That's all. That makes sense. I, I like it. I like it. Um, I like it. Pastor Davis and you, Pastor Billy Jamel Evans. No strategy. Words of Naaman Williams. We are March Without a Strategy, though I think you'll probably catch heat if you said that on certain circles. <laughs> but uh, that, I think, is fair. You're tied to that opinion. March with no strategy. Do you agree with that? Do you think that uh, what you're seeing on day-to-day is literally just screaming with no true aim? Who was the first? Is it me? Pastor Davis and you, yep. I, I defer, Pastor Evans. Go no, ahead. no, go ahead, Pastor Davis. Well, uh, yes, I agree. Uh, we have no strategy. We outnumber civics. The people outnumber, but we outorganize. He's right. It doesn't make sense for us to have 20 people at the first rally, but then you have five at the second rally. And it's true. The neighborhoods we live in, the Caucasian ain't coming around there unless they're buying drugs, unless they're doing something wrong. So, yes, we most definitely not have to, we have to watch out for ourselves. Let's find out why the brother's staying on the corner. We in church, why we got to have security? Because he's up to no good. Let's let's find out the reason. And I don't know about y'all, but over at my ministry, more of the members that come over to our church, they don't even live in the neighborhood. They, they don't even live in the area. They, they coming from different areas to come and worship. So I, I think that's right. We are out organized. Our strategy, no shade, is rather reckless. And the only time we come together in large amounts is when it comes down to monetary gain. That's a mouthful. Pastor Evans, 
No strategy. The only time we come together is in monetary gain. It seems like there was a name that was attached to that. Vote Lilo Brown. If you uh, watch Barbershop 2, you know who I'm referencing. So is that true? Do you feel you pastor a church in the Inglewood community? Uh, I think it's safe to say that most of our constituents don't live in Inglewood outside of a couple. Do you think that we are literally screaming with no true aim? Um, I, I don't I, I, I agree that uh, our marching has to be tied to strategy. Uh, our whatever we're doing has to be tied to strategy. I think of the bus boycott of the 1955. Right. That that thing lasted for three hundred and eighty three days. And the strategy was we're not going to spend any money. Right. Definitely. And so the money aspect uh of of the of the of the march or the money aspect of the strategy is what drove them to continue to do what they do. So yes, it has to be tied to strategy. It has to be tied to after marching, what else? So after we're finished hanging up our signs, putting our taking our shoes off, then what are we doing as a community together? Um, and I think that uh, Pastor, I think Pastor Fears mentioned it before we've got to be able to join forces together. Um, And one of the things that I am most concerned about uh, around in the city of Chicago is when we, when they are gathering religious leaders, none of them are under the age of 50 or 55 years old. And if you're going to affect this generation, you've got to be able to gather men in and women who are younger to sit at the table. Right. I, I thank God for the Jesse Jacksons of the world. Praise, you know, those guys, but you got to be able to bring these other guys in that, that, that are serving in the Roseland community. A name and Williams should be at the table, somebody's table, right? I should see, we should be at the alderman's table. And so it has to be tied to strategy. Uh, I think the last portion of what uh, about the monetary gain. Um, I, I I don't. I mean, yeah, I think that 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 is a lot of the driving force, and a lot of people at the top uh, around egos. Uh, and and let's let's be very brutally honest. A lot of the guys that are driving the discussions around the church and community are about ego. And a lot of them are about themselves. And if 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 we're going to affect change, it cannot rest with just one person. And it can't it's not about me. It's about affecting change around me. So I got to push my ego aside. I got to push my ego aside and I've got to bring my brothers and sisters together and let's drive this together. Uh, and I believe that we can see change from there. I like that. And then I'll throw this one to you too, before we give our signs off Pastor Fears and Pastor Spencer, pushing our egos aside. Uh, I, I totally agree. However, you know, that old guard is stubborn, right? And not only is the old guard stubborn, there's everybody has an ego. What I've learned is that it just depends on how large, right? Like everybody has some type of selfish ambition unfortunately unfortunately the pure in heart aren't necessarily driving the discussion totally agree with pastor evans 
how do we come together, right? How do we fold or follow one group, one entity, one policy, one organizational effort, throw our full undivided attention behind this entity and get something accomplished? Uh, well, yeah. that's me. Okay. Um, uh, again, so many great things said, and obviously we can't cover every right. point that, you know, uh, to a particular question, but I'll, I'll say this, that, as I said before, we all have a part to do. And I think the focus should be uh, identifying at least one common ground or one common thread that we can work towards and hammer away at that. It's one of the things that, that, that I see when we talk about those in leadership, we cannot be, uh, don't be deceived by mm -hmm. what you see on TV. Um, every mega ministry does not represent the whole. Every pastor you see in front of the camera mm -hmm. don't represent another hundred. Don't, don't, don't. So it's easy to think because what you see, that's how you categorize what the church is doing. Because the first thing I ask you, have you been to my church? Come to my church, sit in my meetings, and you'll see what we're doing. Just because we're not on TV does not mean people are making, not making that's an right. impact. I know what some of these brothers are doing in a major way. But I'm telling you right now, we are making impact where we are. And so don't just look on TV about what the mega church or this pastor uh, is or or they are not doing to make. Oh, I think he you're good. Uh, I think he's frozen. Pastor Spencer, I throw it to you. Uh, while we waiting on Mister, um, okay, you're good. You're good. When, when, it, when if. All right, I think he's he's getting it together on his end. Pastor Spencer, I'm gonna throw this to you while we're waiting on Pastor Fears. Uh, we talk about that impact, and I'll hit on it uh, from a political point, and then moving forward. Um, obviously, every church has its own gift. Every church has its own ability and capacity to do what it needs to be done. You are in the holy land of the Church of God in Christ, right? You are in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, that is Mecca. That is Jerusalem for us. Um, with that being said, what is that conversation? What is that strategy? You are literally miles away from HQ, right? You can hear conversations we can't hear. Are there any talks about anything? And if so, what is that thing? Anything as it pertains to strategy, to, to moving some type of action that will drive some type of positive results uh let me first say this these are, these are the thoughts of our matthew spencer not the church of god in christ uh, <laughs> you're my billy right away my disclaimer uh my disclaimer these are my thoughts not the thoughts of presiding bishop or any <laughs> But no, uh, I think there are conversations going on everywhere. Honestly, you hear conversations going on everywhere because. Oh, I think Matthew's frozen. Lord, Lord, Lord. This is a good reminder. Do not get Xfinity uh, Wi-Fi because if you do, 
this is what will happen. Well, man, I'll let I'll let Naaman, I'll let you guys ask that in a minute while we're waiting for Matthew and Marcel uh, talk. So what's next? You guys, Pastor Church, what are you doing specifically at your church to hit the ground running? Starting with you, Pastor Evans, then you, Pastor Davis, then you, Pastor Williams. What are you doing specifically as far as that that next step, Pastor Evans, as far as getting something, this type of initiative going? Um, so uh, we are right now in the midst of putting together a task force uh, at our local church to deal with. Uh, and they're going to do some demographic studies. They're going to do some uh, deep dives. Uh, we're going to connect them with the aldermen. Um, and we're going to really find out. Uh, we ha- we've done a little of this before. Uh, we've met with our aldermen, our aldermen. Uh, is connected with us. We're connected with the police department, uh, the, the seventh district. Uh, but we, we really want to get to the point of uh, how can we how can we partner with the community leaders, our aldermen? Um, it's more than just, and I've said this to the aldermen. I've said this. It's more than just giving people stuff. Right. Um, you know, we can give people stuff all day long, but it doesn't affect change. Right. And so when we did this community, we partnered with the jurisdiction a few weeks, a month, oh, a few weeks ago, early August. Uh, one of the things that it was partnered with is, and this is why I go back to the church still has to be the church. So you could get your PPE, you can get your food, but we also had drive through prayer, right? And so we prayed with folks. We actually had a young lady to come to our church, right? And so that is the driving force of why the church has to still be the church, plus be able to community outreach. So that's sort of kind of the space we're living in or we're in right now uh, because I would rather do one thing well than try to do nine to 10 things and we're scattered and not doing anything particularly well. So the task force is coming together and they're going, their main job is to find out what we can do uh, to affect change in our Inglewood community. Awesome. Pastor Davis, Pastor Lana Davis, what are you doing? What steps are you taking to combat uh, this injustice? Well, one of the things that we are doing is we still in the infancy stages of our ministry. What we did was is what they did. Uh, they showed in front of us. Previously, we put boots on the ground. We go out and we ask. And not only uh, do we ask the, those that are in the neighborhood, we ask others and pull from other resources. What is it that you're doing over there in your territory, in your region that can help us, that can allow us to uh, come together, have some kind of congruency with one another to formulate something that's gonna bring about success. And uh, it, it's some of the things that I'm hearing is quite different from uh, being a born and raised Church of God in Christ young man. When I, and, I'm, and it's challenging and it's stretching me, but uh, I want something different, so I'm willing to do something different. Awesome. Awesome. Pastor Naaman Williams, what are what is your church uh, doing to combat this injustice? Uh, for me, um, what I did recently, actually this morning, I had a meeting with um, four other pastors from four different organizations, Baptist, Pilgrim. I mean, because what I wanted to do, I wanted to get a, a look at under the hood as far as what they were doing to see if there was anything that they were doing that could help what I'm doing. Um, I love doing that with Pastor Marcel. Uh, most of the time, me and part, Pastor Marcel talk, we look under the hood saying what we can what we can glean from each other, what we can take from each other. But um, I'm having a, um, I'm a unity event 
um, first Sunday in um, October with four other churches, three other churches, and we're coming together. And so we're going to end the march, you know, with power, praise and information. Awesome. Awesome. Pastor Spencer, what is your church doing to combat this injustice? You're muted, my man. There you go. There we go. I'm just happy to be back in the number. <laughs> Never thought he had me, but I got well, away. Thing. I mean, Xfinity. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but we, we've been... <laughs> We we've actually have been uh, giving out. There's been trucks, and we've had loads of food coming, giving those out, taking to the the neighborhood adjacent to the to the ministry there. Um, like Pastor Lonnie, boots on the ground. What do people need? What do you need? Because you might not need food. You might need a you might need a ride to work. You might not need food. You might need a gas card to make sure you can get gas or what have you. It's all just just you know seeing what they need and then keeping the people encouraged to understand that you know we're, we're all going through this. We're, we're all we're all going through this. Not only are we all going through this, uh, but we're all experiencing this on every level, especially in the black community. Um. We're all we're experiencing every hit. We're all feeling it together, um, and just stand stand with them, keeping the people again, keeping people encouraged and, and pushing forward, and and get doing what we can to help. Because at this time, at this time, I, I often quote what Jesus said: "When I was hungry, did you feed me? When I was naked, did you give me anything to wear?" No. In the in the words of Chandler Owens, the historicity of the fact tells us. <laughs> No, you did not. So we just want to make sure that we're there, that that at this point in this season, I say it all the time. This is not the pl- this is not the place where we as the church, historically, they say we always have our hands out. But we our hands are out now, not for you to give us anything, but to give you a hand up and help you. Awesome. Awesome. Pastor Fierce, uh, what um, is your church doing to combat uh, this injustice? Uh, first of all, again, all of my brothers are doing phenomenal ministry. And again, I know their integrity and their character and working. Just want to encourage them to keep doing what they're doing. Um, the few things that we're doing, I'll just uh, speak to quickly. Um, one of the things we did is uh, adopt a block. We have an adopt a block strategy here at our church where our team went out and uh, we literally visited every home in our block on 158. We live in a one poverty cities. Uh, I think he's a little bit more. Uh, share with them, minister to them, and again, seeing what the needs are of the homes. One of the uh, other second things we're doing out this coming Wednesday um, uh, how do we rebuild our family build, uh, do we rebuild our faith and so from various uh, we used our Bible study platform and we had those 
uh, conversations every single Wednesday. Awesome. I, yeah, I think he's experienced some difficulties. He'll be back on. Look, hopefully just back on. I'm excited. I want to thank my guests. I know I've kept you guys over an hour. You guys have been fantastic. Look, tomorrow I have a special episode called Corporate Branding. You might want to tune in for that. Eduardo Alvarez. He has done uh, a lot of branding for a lot of banks and financial institutions. He's also worked um, as a liaison and uh, counselor for the government of Puerto Rico. He is fantastic. Uh, he hails from New York City. I have him on. And then Thursday, I have a special sports edition really dealing with social justice. I have Terry Cummings coming on the show. I'm waiting on the response from Kendall Gill. We have Division One athlete and Adidas um, uh, sponsored athlete Marcus Thomas. Will Gill will be on that one as well. As some things come down the pipeline, it's going to be amazing. And then next week, we're talking about politics today uh, with uh, Malik Abdul, Eugene Craig, two GOP conservative strategists with Zoe Kador and Amanda. I'm looking forward to that episode. And I have a special episode coming up for Hispanic Latinx Heritage Month. So I'm looking forward to that. But look, as we go, Pastor Naaman, where can they find you? Where can they connect with you? Uh, Naaman Williams, uh, Naaman Williams Ministries.com, my Facebook page, Brother Life Facebook page. Awesome. Pastor Lonnie Davis, where can they connect with you? You can connect with me with Prophet L. Davis at Yahoo.com. You also can go to LonnieDavis.com. We are, we're not in the building yet, but nonetheless, we're still going virtual. Facebook Live, Periscope, pardon me, yeah, Periscope and YouTube. Awesome. Pastor Billy Janelle Evans, my cousin, where can they connect with you? Um, they can connect with me on all social media platforms, uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, uh, all, all the social media platforms. You can also go to our website, ftkojic1.org, ftkojic1.org. Awesome. Pastor Matthew Spencer, where can they connect with you? You can. They can connect with me on all social media websites. Look up our Matthew Spencer. You'll see me there. And happy birthday, by the way. Your wife's birthday is today, man. My oh, bad. yes. I know yes. I'm keeping you. Yes. My bad. I know you have that. <laughs> Pastor Pierce, where can they connect with you? Uh, first of all, thanks, Brother Cody, man. You're doing an amazing job. Keep doing what you're doing. I love I love it. You just had the right makeup for it. Keep pushing <laughs> pushing the limits. So I appreciate that. Uh, you can connect with us. Of course, our um, all things uh, Marcel Fierce Ministries, you can go to marcelfierce.org and it'll get you to our, to our church. That'll get you to Prayer Nation. That'll get you to Overcomers Life Church. Or you can go directly to overcomersofchurch.org. So either one of those ways, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of that stuff. And uh, you can be able to uh, connect with us that way. Awesome. Look, guys, connect with these great men of God. I trust them. First of all, I never ask just random people to be on my show. Not only do I trust their anointing, I trust their character. And I say that from the bottom of my heart because, you know, I know a lot of stuff, right? So I trust these guys. These guys are phenomenal men of God, phenomenal husbands, uh, phenomenal pastors. Even Naaman, who has a decent jump shot, he's phenomenal <laughs> from time to time. But until next time, guys, I appreciate it so much. Thanks. All right. All right, God bless. All right brothers. Thank you. God bless you all.